Welcome to episode 81 of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Drill Grizzik. Samantha Ming of the Events Podcast. Why don't you tell us about the events this week? Hey, Drew. We have a lot of tech events happening this week. Let's start with Tuesday. There is a React Native talk at the Clio office in Burnaby. There will be free shuttle services before and after the event from the Gilmore SkyTrain station, so check the show notes to get more details on this. If you're newer to the programming world, you might want to check out JavaScripts for beginners instead. It's a two-days evening course running from 6 to 9 at the Amazon office. On Wednesday, we have TechStacks Must Have. It's a panel discussion of technical leaders from Hootsuite, Clio, and more. They'll be answering questions on technology, what life is like working at each company, and other development trends that will help you advance your career as a software developer. This is happening at Hootsuite at 5 p.m. On the same day, we also have Node.js 101 at the UBC Robson Square at 6.45. Moving on to Thursday, we have two awesome events. The first is Code & Coffee at Mobify at 6 p.m. This week, they will feature talks about Python and developing using Docker and Amazon Elastic Container Service. The second event is Explore the Hollow Deck. It's a panel discussion on topics of gender equity, innovation, and disruption. It's at Finger Food Studios in Port Coquitlam at 6.30. Finally, on Friday, we have the Global AI Hackathon. This is a three-day hack event at Mobify. It kicks off at 7 p.m. And that's this week's top selection of events you should check out. And we're here with this week's special guest, entrepreneur Ryan Lalonde. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background, uh, and then we'll jump into your pretty awesome and interesting startup, buddy. I grew up in Calgary or just outside of Calgary in a small town called Bragg Creek. Um, and uh, I guess I my whole entrepreneurial sort of journey started when I was pretty young. I was 13 years old. I was working in a restaurant, actually, and uh, I hated it. I hated it a lot. And I went to my dad, I was like, man, I, I just don't like working for this guy at the restaurant. Like, what are my other options here? And uh, he's like, well, you know, and, and my dad actually, back when he was younger, he used to paint houses and, and paint fences and that sort of thing. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll teach you a skill. Like, I'll teach you how to paint and maybe you can just go around. You can talk to neighbors and that sort of thing. Um, and you can see if you can make enough money that way to sort of just get through the summer. You know, you're 14 years old, you just need something to keep you busy throughout the summer. So he taught me how to paint, and um, before long, I, I was actually keeping very busy throughout the summer, like painting people's fences, painting people's decks, um, and I was just marketing. I was literally going door to door to my neighbors as a 14-year-old kid and being like, hey, uh, you know, could I paint your fence? Could I paint your deck? Could I paint your house? You know, give me something to do. And after long, yeah, it became actually pretty good business for me. I was making a lot more than I would have made washing dishes. So um, I kept doing that, actually, for about another four years until I graduated high school. And by the time I graduated, I was uh, painting full actual schools. So that kept me very busy and also uh, gave me enough money to go on uh, a vacation to China. Uh, I bought my first real drum set. Uh, it was really great. So, you know, ever since then, I, I've sort of, you know, had that entrepreneurial fire in me and uh that's something i've just kind of kept up throughout the years and and you know leading into this new project here 
Very cool. So, uh, small town Alberta painting. Yep. Um, and I guess painting for you was a lot more fun than washing dishes. Much more fun. Yeah. yeah. Was it that you were making more money or? It was also just, I didn't probably realize it at the time, but it was just the skills that you were gaining as a salesperson, uh, doing, you know, essentially what I was doing at the time was like grill, grill marketing. You know, I didn't really realize that, but, um, yeah, actually, that laid the basis for a lot of the sales skills that I, you know, I have today. Okay, so uh, from there, that brought you up through to high school, uh, mm-hmm. and then what happened? You, I guess, went on to university. Yeah, so I, I actually, I, I was always kind of, uh, you know, a math geek in high school, and um, I, I made the first mis- well, a larger mistake that I made, um, and I actually decided, well, I'm good at math, you know, I'll, I'll go into engineering. Um, even though I had, I guess, this business background and entrepreneurial background as a kid, I, I was just like, well, engineering, I think you can make pretty good money being an engineer. I'm good at math. Let's just let's do that. Um, and after, you know, a year of university, uh, this was at the University of Calgary, I realized it, it just wasn't for me. And uh, I ended up dropping out of that program and um, joining uh, another painting company that's pretty well known called College Pro Painters. And um, they're sort of known for um they're like a, a youth entrepreneurship sort of program. So they take people in, they give them franchises for different areas of, of whatever city you apply in and you own that franchise in that certain region. And then they train you to run a business from scratch. And um, I got really, really lucky actually, because I had a fantastic general manager named Leighton Healy and he was, and is still to this day, He's a sales master, in, in my opinion, and he taught me, you know, to grow, I guess, my sales skills um, a lot more than I had sort of just, you know, learning on my own. And uh, a lot of that I still use to this day, and I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about it in, you know, the business buddy that we're working on now. But a, a lot of those skills are still applicable to what I'm doing here today in, in doing research and meeting new people in the industry that I'm working with now. So what sort of skills are uh, those essential skills for? for sales. So, I mean, it's interesting because when we met up the other day to, to, to grab a coffee and sort of talk about, uh, talk about this podcast and things, we were talking about sales. So, um, I'd say in starting a business and being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you hear it all the time and it's, uh, it's sort of almost cliche. You have to actually find and solve a real problem, right? Um, but a lot of people, they, they get an idea. They, they think it's a cool idea. It sounds good to all their friends who, you know, probably the solution is not even closely related to solving their problems. Their friends think it's cool. Their family thinks it's cool and they jump into building it. Um, so what I learned in sales is, you know, you really have to focus on a needs analysis first and foremost. So when you meet somebody to sell them something, you're not just going to jump in and start, you know, like firing off all these, you know, benefits of your product and everything before you've established what they're actually looking for. So, and that takes time. And I think that's why, you know, it's really tough for a lot of entrepreneurs who have a, a really cool idea. They just want to jump in and build it right away. Um, it takes patience to actually, you know, sort of pull the reins back a little bit, go talk to their eventual users or, or their eventual customers and really do that needs analysis. And, um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of open-ended questions before you really, you know, have that aha, like, okay, I really understand the problem. Um, so I guess it's all about that building that really solid foundation first and foremost. 
So does that approach sort of depend on, because uh, we were talking about sales, does that mm -hmm. really depend on the type of product or products that you have or vice versa? Like it sounds to me like going and doing that needs analysis and then building a product would be make a lot of sense for software or other things. Yeah. But what about as a uh, in sales where you already have a product or, for mm -hmm. example, um, you know, college pro painting, yeah. you're not going to go and see, do a needs analysis and say, hey, right. this guy needs a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, let's paint a house for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it might not be necessarily the same needs. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, if I'm selling a product or I'm selling, you know, I'm painting a house or if I'm selling a car, everybody's going to want, you know, more or less the same thing, the same basic thing. If they're buying a car, they're probably going to want, you know, a reliable, safe, uh, you know, maybe a sexy looking car or something like that. But um, there's going to be little, like little variations from person to person. And I think those little variations are especially important to really nail down. Um, and even just when you're finishing up the sale and you're, you know, sort of doing your your benefits pitch, if you're bringing up those specific uh, elements that they mentioned, it shows that you were listening. It shows that you really care. So I think that's really important. How does that tie into what you're doing now? Yeah, so I'm, what I'm doing now is uh, I'm working on a, on a product called Buddy. So this is actually for the cannabis industry. So what Buddy is, it's a platform for dispensaries to optimize and standardize their product recommendation process. So tying back into sort of what I, I was mentioning before with this needs analysis, I went into the cannabis industry with, you know, basically zero knowledge of it. Um, I was just very interested in it because I saw a lot of opportunity because it's a pretty nascent industry. So I went in with, uh, you know, an open mind and I just started talking to people. And the more and more I talked to people, the more and more I started to notice the areas of the industry that, you know, needed a lot of of work, you know, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in certain areas of this industry. Um, so when I was speaking with a lot of dispensaries, I was noticing first and foremost that they, when they were recommending different products to patients, um, it seemed to be a little bit off, like off the cuff when they were actually recommending products to their patients. Um, and these could be medical patients or recreational patients. So, you know, maybe for your recreational patients, it's not as important to have that consistency, but certainly when you're dealing with people who are, you know, treating an actual medical condition, um, that consistency is very, very important. Um, so I did some research of my own. I, I went around to a number of different dispensaries and, and I, you know, sort of, you know, I said the same things of, like for myself as if I was a patient. Uh, you know, my own preferences, what I was looking to treat, etc. Um, and I noticed I was getting a different recommendation every single time and they were not even, you know, remotely close oftentimes. So I, I noticed that this was a bit of a, uh, that this was an issue, this consistency problem. So where were the, uh, where were these recommendations coming from? So they were coming from the retail workers. So in the cannabis industry, the retail workers that you'll see in a dispensary, they're known as bud tenders. Um, so those were, you know, where the recommendations were coming from. Okay. Uh, and do you know anything about their training or how they mm -hmm. would uh, come up with these recommendations? Yeah, definitely. Um, it varies a lot, um, you know, with... Uh, you know, I, I guess I could use the term more legitimate, like really professional businesses. Um, they often have training programs where the owners of the business or they might even bring an outside consultant in to sort of manage that training. 
um, and, and, you know, they'll do knowledge tests and that sort of thing. So they actually have an onboarding process for their, dis uh, for their dispensary workers. Um, but I know it's actually a majority of businesses don't really have that rigor. They try to bring on people with experience in the industry, um, or just experience with, with the product. Um, and, uh, they try to ramp them up that way. So they, they kind of just try to bring people on who they think might already have that experience, at least to talk to people and recommend them products. Anecdotally, at least, that seems to be fairly consistent with yes. uh, other industries as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you see a lot of places, some places are really uh, analytical or on yep. the ball and they have processes in place um, and they're maybe more, you said legitimate, um, maybe more legitimate. Uh, and other places are kind of more off the cuff or mm -hmm. uh, grassroots or granular. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, I, I think as this industry matures, it's really going to be those those ones who focus on customer service who are going to be the big winners and who are going to stick around and be able to expand throughout, you know, throughout Canada and, and in the States as well. Uh, and potentially a, a worldwide market. Um, yeah. We'll see how things go. But that, that's quite interesting. So coming back a little bit to uh, cannabis. Now, you said it's a nascent industry. There's obviously a lot going on. Um, there's some really interesting things happening, mm -hmm. uh, potentially becoming legal for recreational use next year in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, already legal for recreational use in several states mm -hmm. uh, with more coming and other areas around the world. Pretty interesting. But why? Uh, I mean, even though it is interesting, there also yeah. is still sort of that, um, oh, it's marijuana. Yeah. Um, what What was that sort of like, and why marijuana? Um. Well, I mean, I just looked at it as there was just a lot of opportunity there, and I thought maybe, um, you know, that opportunity that opportunity might be stemming from the fact that a lot of people might hold back because cannabis has a sort of a reputation. So, you know, a lot of people might be a little hesitant to get into this industry, which is really just opening up more opportunities for people who can, you know, have an open mind and decide you know what like like i'm just gonna go in here i'm gonna check it out i'm gonna see what this industry is like and um yeah so i guess for 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 people who have an open mind there's even more opportunity because there's less people who are sort of streaming in okay so you so you got in you started talking to uh different bond tenders and you talked about different recommendations now is that a problem that exists uh in other fields that may have been solved or is this something new that uh, is unique or is it unique in the cannabis industry? Yeah, um, I think it's fairly unique to the cannabis industry because cannabis is a very unique product. Um, it affects people, you know, the exact same product can affect uh, me or you or whoever else in a very, very different way, depending on uh, who knows, really, like right now, like who knows why it affects people so differently from one person to the next. Um, you know, if me and you went into a liquor store and we bought, you know, the same bottle of wine and we went and we shared a bottle of wine or something, uh, I, I'm guessing we would have more or less the same experience. Um, maybe you have better taste than I do, a better palate or something. So that bottle of wine might be better to you than to me. But, um, you know, at the end, we're probably both, uh, depending on our alcohol tolerance, we're going to be having more or less the same, the same experience. Um, I see uh, cannabis being very, very different than that. And people describe very different feelings towards the exact same products. Um, the needs are very specific, especially when you're talking about medical patients, right? They have very specific ailments that they're looking to treat. Um, and they have very specific preferences. And a lot of these people are, you know, still high functioning 
professionals who have a job that they have to go to during the day, but they have something that's really, you know, ailing them throughout the day. So they want something that will, um, you know, allow them to maintain a high level of focus, a high level of energy so they can continue their work, but they can also treat whatever is ailing them at the same time. So um, it's, it's a pretty unique industry, I think, it, because, yeah, it, like I said, it's a really unique product. Okay, cool. So, uh, so you have this idea, you go out to, uh, the different dispensaries and you talk with people, uh, and you get some feedback. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else have you done? What were your, what are your sort of steps here to, uh, launch a business? Yeah. So I, like I said, I went into it with a pretty open mind, not knowing really how I wanted to get involved, just knowing like, you know, I, I was pretty sure I wanted to get something started. Um, so I just went and I, I literally walked into a number of dispensaries around Vancouver and I just talked to the bud tenders and I talked to them about their job and I talked to them about their role and, and they shared as much as I'm, I guess they were comfortable sharing with me. Um, and that's when I started to get a bit of this inkling that, hmm, maybe, maybe there's something that could be done here. Um, but I didn't really stop there. I've been heavily involved in, uh, I, I pretty much go to every single cannabis event I could possibly find in Vancouver. And I'm not just talking about like 420. Um, I would go to, uh, SFU actually put on, um, a series of talks and they brought in, uh, professionals in this industry from, you know, from growing to the psychological and physical benefits of cannabis, um, you know, the cannabis genome, uh, they brought in a, a variety of professionals. And I went to every single one of their talks and I learned a ton. Um, and I talked to everybody on every side of the industry. So that means you, for this industry, you have your producers, uh, you have your extraction, uh, extractors, or you have your, um, uh, processors, I guess you could call them. Uh, you have your dispensaries, you have your consumers or your users. Um, and then there's also the labs who are responsible for testing products and ensuring that they're safe before they go on the market. Um, so I talked to everybody I could possibly, you know, get a conversation or grab a copy with and just to really understand the industry as a whole. Very cool. So what, uh, what specifically, what problem or problem sets have you identified? Um, how are you planning on going about solving them and, uh, what steps have you taken so far to get there? Where do you need to go and what do you need to get there? All right. That's a few questions for sure. It is a few questions. Um, yeah. So I, I think the, the first step that I took was identifying, like I said, the problem. And, um, there's, there's a number of areas that I think this industry could, could use some development on. The, the, the problem that I chose to focus on was, I, I guess, in this, um, you know, consumer facing consultations and recommending ideal products for patients for both medical and recreational users um, because it seemed like uh, it was an area where there was you know not much standardization yet in the market so um, I, our business is focused around adding some standardization adding some structure to that process and helping dispensaries you know structure that process so you know they have better business outcomes because their consumers are probably having better experiences that are more you know, suitable and more tailored for their specific needs. So um, customer services is a huge thing in this industry. So I think I, that's that's the area that we wanted to focus on. Um, but there's a number of different areas. You know, there's, there's technical areas like there's POS systems um, that need to be built for this industry. Um, there's going to be a lot of consumer apps out there in this industry. 
Um, there's a lot of consumer apps that are being built already in the States and being used, like uh, a consumer app like Ease, which is sort of like the Uber for cannabis, is, is really cool. I don't think we have um, a alternative for that in Canada yet, so there's another opportunity for somebody who wants to grab it. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's... I, I guess the other problem we were trying to solve was also around transparency. So transparency is becoming more and more of a big issue as people are wanting to learn more about their products before they're consuming their products, right? So, and, and this is, you know, this is seen in all sorts of other industries like the, you know, uh, groceries and the food industry, right? Uh, people are wanting to know when their, you know, their fruits or their vegetables, what have you, are sprayed with pesticides. They want to know whether or not they're organic. They want to know maybe even who the grower was. And those same things are coming up in the cannabis industry as well uh, right now. It, it really seems like people are wanting to learn more about their products before they consume them. So um, we're hoping to add a layer of transparency to the industry as well. Okay, so that sounds like a pretty interesting uh, problem set to try and solve. So basically, uh, transparency into the industry, mm -hmm. where and how uh, these products are being created, mm -hmm. uh, and what brings them to... Uh, or path along to the market and how, how they've kind of grown yeah um, seed to sale seed to sale yeah, yeah. and then uh, another side of that was also the um really what's in the products and how they might affect different people so yes. the recommendations there yeah okay uh and then so what steps have you taken to sort of try and uh find solutions to that or what solutions mm -hmm. have you come up with um how far along have you gotten with that and what else do you need to get to where you want to go yeah, so I think we've defined pretty well what the problem that we're looking to solve is. And um, the next step after we thought that we identified the problem was to actually verify that with the market. So we've been talking with a number of dispensaries who are sort of acting almost as our dispensary partners at this point. Um, and hopefully down the line, they'll become our customers as well. Um, but we're talking with them and, and we're learning, you know, we're, we're trying to ensure that we really nailed this problem and we're, we're solving the problem properly. So um, I guess, yeah, like I said, after defining the problem, it's really just verifying it in the market and understanding, you know, this is exactly what they need and this is how the solution might look. So that's what, you know, we're in the process of doing and that's what we'll probably continue to be in the process of doing, you know, uh, for the next while, while we're also starting development on building the solution. So, you know, those two things are going to run concurrently for the next while until we have something that we can then go out and um, uh, start to give out to players in the market and they can start using it. And uh, hopefully they find value in it. And then, uh, you know, we can start to show this product and start to use it with consumers. And uh, then, yeah, uh, we're hoping to expand across Canada, likely. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, validate your ideas before you start actually building them. Mm -hmm. um, and not a lot of people actually doing that. A lot of people kind of, you know, engineer a product and then try and sell it. But yeah. uh, so what are some ways that you go about or could go about validating that idea? Uh, or have gone about rather. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, like I said earlier, it's sort of a cliche, you know, doing market validation is, is just what you're supposed to do. It seems pretty obvious, but it's, uh, it's tougher in actual practice. And like I said, I think a lot of that comes down to being patient, um, really digging in and getting to know people on all different sides of the market who might have, uh, you know, some sort of interaction with this platform. You want to not only, you know, realize the, 
what drives your customers and the needs and benefits of your customers, but anybody who might touch this, um, you know, maybe even people who won't touch it but will be affected by it in some way, um, you know, you want to get their opinions because what you're putting out there is probably going to shape the market largely, um, especially in like a newer market like cannabis, it's going to have a large impact. So you want to really understand the impact of what you're going for to make sure um, that you're not, you know, you're not putting out something that's actually going to be harmful for the market as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's more so my my process. Okay, so what sort of uh, what sort of resources have you put into this yourself? Whether that's time or money, uh, and what other uh, partners or else do you have? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my main resource has been my time. I've been working on this, um, you know, more or less full time for the past three or four months. Um, I've been involved in the industry uh, for about maybe five or six months, just getting to know it. Um, but yeah, I've been really working on this product specifically for the last like three or four months mostly with my time and uh, a little bit of my money as well. And um, yeah, we're really happy with how things are going, actually. We're, we're, we're starting to see a bit of traction in the market. We're seeing some interest from different players in the market, from dispensaries especially. Um, they see this as, you know, solving a real problem that they have, especially as they look to scale up their operations. And um, we're, we're seeing some traction also in the local tech scene. We actually just recently um, signed up for ProtoHack Vancouver, and uh, one first place in ProtoHack Vancouver, and we were given a bunch of resources from ProtoHack, um, you know, free services from other firms around town. So that saved us a, a lot of money, and, and that's kept me busy for the last little while, just sort of redeeming things and, and working with uh, these service providers. So that's that was really a big boost for us um, and uh, got us some, some ground uh, that we could use for free. So it was awesome. What about uh, partnerships or investments? Is that something you're actively seeking or open to? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something that I, you know, I'm starting to actually receive some calls and inquiries about partnerships um, from various different people and and a lot of different people who are solving specific specific problems in this industry, and it's usually a tech solution. Um, so, you know, just yesterday I, I talked with a, a company out of Victoria and they were looking to solve, um, a problem around communication between patients and dispensaries and from dispensaries to patients. Um, and they have a really cool tech solution and, uh, and, and we're, you know, interested in probably collaborating or, or maybe partnering in some way. Um, you know, I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I would take a partnership pretty slow and make sure that it's right for everybody on both sides and people are actually getting, or both sides are getting some real value out of it. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that's going to be happening at the industry, uh, level a lot now. I, I see a lot of people starting to join forces because they're building very specific solutions and, uh, companies are just looking to sort of join forces and, and take over. <laughs> So if people are interested in reaching out to you and uh, maybe finding out some more information or they have some uh, ideas or, or partnership proposals, yeah. perhaps, uh, yeah. what would be a good way to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, I think probably just emailing me would be the best way. So you can shoot me an email. My name is Ryan Lalonde. Uh, my email is Ryan V, as in Victor, Ryan V Lalonde at gmail.com. Very cool. Well, Ryan Lalonde, thank you very much for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Yeah, thank you.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.